Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Monday afternoon, September the 27th, 2021. BOL Senior Analyst Travis Ryer joined by Senior Team Reporter for us there at BamaOnline.com. The one, the only Charlie Potter. We got a lot of things to get into on the program today. We're going to talk about some comments from Nick Saban at his Monday press conference. Of course, all eyes on Tuscaloosa, Alabama as the Crimson Tide gets ready for a big Western Division showdown with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels kickoff set for this Saturday, 2.30 Central at Bryant-Denny Stadium. The game, of course, will air on CBS, but uh, we're just trying to put to bed another NFL weekend, Charlie, and... I know you stay extremely busy these days with all these Alabama products in the National Football League, and even tonight, I guess, with the Eagles and the Cowboys, going to have some solid representation between those two squads. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yesterday was pretty quiet from a touchdown standpoint, though. It seems like through the first two weeks, um, it's just been touchdown after touchdown after touchdown from Alabama players. And Mac Jones had one kind of a a nifty uh, play by him and then also the receiver that scored. But kind of a quiet day overall for Alabama. A lot of players uh, doing some nice things, of course. You know, being a guy that drafted Derrick Henry in the Fantasy Football League, glad to see him get going. Um, But, yeah, tonight will be busy as well with, you know, Jalen and Devontae, Amari, Trayvon, Landon Dickerson. Uh, you know, back in that first start, right? Yeah. Well, I think he made his first start last okay. week, was it? Or no, he stepped in last week. You're right. This is his first start. Weeks are meaningless to me. Um, I'm glad to be able to keep track of this being the third one. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that's a big one. And then, you know, I, I don't know how many people have uh, you know changed to watching ESPN two with the Manning brothers, but that's been loads of entertainment. And Nick I've Saban's enjoyed been, that. Nick Saban is going to be making an appearance on that. How about that? Yeah. Got to get in on that Arch Manning recruitment (laughs) any way possible. Right. Exactly. He's been on that Eli Manning show on ESPN plus. And now this, I mean, he's pulling out all stops, whatever he can do to get in with Cuppa and Cuppa's son, uh, Arch, the 2023 quarterback prospect, you got to do what you got to do. So absolutely. A lot of interest from Alabama fans and you're right. I enjoy Eli and Peyton. That's been – I feel bad for my man Lewis Riddick, though, because I'm a big Lewis Riddick fan, and he's over there on ESPN with Greasy and uh, Steve Levy just getting hammered, I would think. I, I know that the ESPN broadcast in terms of ratings still outnumbers uh, the ESPN2 broadcast, but I'm kind of wondering how long that's going to go, you know, because uh, it just seems like through a couple games the the momentum very much in the corner – uh, the Mannings. You know what else I'm excited about, Charlie, on this Monday okay. afternoon? You know what it is around Casa de Ryer, my friend? It's chilly night. Ooh. Chilly night. You a chilly fan or not? Not really. Um, Are you a fan of anything, Potter? <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, if you're not a chilly fan, what the <laughs> hell are you a fan of, Potter? No, I will say. Other than the you... Orlando magic, what yeah. do you enjoy in this I, in this lifetime we have? You know? I have a- I have a miserable existence. Um, <laughs> I will say though, we, um, you don't get disappointed that way though, Charlie. I will that say is that. True. that. No is disappointment. True. I'm setting myself up for even keel. Uh, <laughs> I did say to the wife the other day though, um, just because we got teased with the cold weather here in Tuscaloosa or cold, that's a stretch, but coolish. Yeah. Um, I was seasonal like, to, seasonal yeah. weather, Charlie. We need to yeah. break out the, the taco soup. She makes a mean taco soup. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that deal. Yeah. yeah, the thing is, though, like with, with chili, I mean, this is me admitting that I'm a baby in some sense. I don't really love spicy foods that much. And some people, you know. But you like the Mexican food, don't you? Yeah, but I don't get crazy with it. But some You're people. You're down there at, what is it, the place in uh, Timerson you love? We'll give <laughs> them the shout been, out. I haven't been to Don Tonio's in, in a minute. That was my spot when I was a student. They uh, they kept me hydrated, to say the least. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, some people with their chili, they'll try to knock you on your ass with it. And I'm yeah, just, I, I hear you on that. And, I think where I'm just not – I don't get yeah. gung-ho about chili. I don't, don't hate it. I'll eat chili. I'm just not yeah. – I'm not the, the chili guy. The craziest the wife gets with her chili is she puts a beer in it. 
you know. Okay. So I, I can, think you'd be okay. Get behind okay. that. Yeah. 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 You'd be okay with that. Hey, uh, Charlie, let's get into some Alabama football talk. Similar to a week ago, Alabama representation where SEC weekly awards are concerned. I think we had a pretty good feeling, even after the first kickoff return for a touchdown in the USM game by Jamison Williams, that he was probably up for special teams player of the week. But I got to think the second one all but slammed the door on that one. Yeah, I mean, to take the opening and kick off 100 yards with uh, relative ease, he got spun around there a little bit, but then just outran everybody. Uh, it was really impressive. And then not only that, the, the second touchdown, yes, you know, the what was it, 83 yards? It was impressive. But the fact that he bounced back from you know, letting the ball roll behind him, getting down to his own three-yard line, uh, that was a little bit of a blunder on his part. But to be able to bounce back from that and just take another one to the house just says – a lot about him and the electrifying player that he is. So, yeah, I mean, um, I was really just seeing if there would be any more. I knew as soon as that release landed in the inbox this morning, Jamison Williams would be there as a special teams representative. I didn't know if, you know, Bryce Young would maybe get a nod given that, you know, he was he went through two incompletions, five touchdown passes, another yeah. still outing for him. But, yeah, it was a slam dunk for Jamison Williams to be on that list. Uh, we also have Alabama players of the week. And I'll say it, I'm a little surprised not to see Cameron with two on that list. Yeah, Cam's uh, had a really good season. A um, little bit of a teaser for what's to come this week. I, I talked to Cam and his mom uh, in the past couple of days. So I'll have a longer story up on him. Just because, yeah, I mean, he's, what, five touchdowns uh, yeah. through the first uh, few games. And one, he was probably the easiest touchdown he's ever scored in his life, given that it was the fumble. Uh, by John Medji, he just picked up in the end zone, but he still had a really good game uh, with three catches, uh, a touchdown, uh, in addition to the one we just talked about, and uh, what do you have, 57 receiving yards. So yeah, the, the tight ends had a big game. I was kind of surprised that they didn't get uh, some love, but you know Bryce Young again. You know he was 20 of 22, 300 plus yards, five touchdowns. He was efficient. I know he had the interception, but that was obviously not his fault. And the running game uh, with no Brian Robinson, they stepped up and had a big outing. Roy Dell Williams with the 55-yard run to kind of get things going to go on to rush for the first 100-yard game of the season uh, for Alabama. Uh, it's kind of crazy to say. But you know, defensively, of course, Will Anderson was, again, just destructive. He had three tackles for loss. Monster. It felt yeah. like he just had you know three or four sacks in the game, but he was credited with one. Uh, Christian Harris had a, a bounce-back performance. Um just in terms of a tackling standpoint, I think most for the most part, everybody did. And then special teams wise, of course, James Williams gets denied there. Uh, Slade Bolden was a guy that he wasn't uh, back as a, as a punt returner, but he was a blocker uh, out there as a kickoff returner. He was on some punt returns as well, uh, just as a, as a blocker for Jojo Earl and uh, Jalen Moody, a guy that's been kind of a special teams ace for them. So, no real surprises um, in terms of who was picked, maybe some snubs, but they haven't really gone just, you know, super deep in this. They're not they're not doing, you know, nine, ten, eleven players. They're not uh, doing it like NFL teams do captains these days. Like exactly. the roster is yeah. a damn captain. Yeah. For an NFL just, team. I'd like to know how they kind of break this down. Uh, but I do like that they are a little bit selective just because it isn't just uh you know, it, it would make it a little bit more of a meaningless weekly honor for the players, I think. Yeah, it's not orange slices and Capri Suns, and everybody <laughs> gets a W. I thought Latou would be there. Yeah, it was an easy touchdown, but the fact that he had himself in position to make the play after having a couple of blocks to help Mechie, I thought that in and of itself was worthy of acknowledgement. And I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was acknowledged, but you said it. They don't just throw those players of the week awards around uh, the seven or eight guys in each phase of the game. We also learned on Monday that we have a kick time, a kickoff time has been set for Alabama, Texas A&M tough one for CBS. Cause you knew they were holding that game pretty much for prime time one week from Saturday. And what happens, Charlie, Arkansas knocks <laughs> off Texas A&M, last Saturday in Arlington, Texas, but it will still be prime time for the Aggies and the Crimson Tide. It will. Yeah. And it's a kind of a rough draw given that, you know, going to the college station, uh, it's, it's tough as hell to get a reasonably priced hotel room near college stations. So you're going to have to make a, 
a trek over there to the stadium. So it's going to be a late night uh, next Saturday at Kyle Field. But, you know, I, I think it, it is kind of a bummer that Texas A&M lost that game, but it'll still be a big matchup. I mean, anytime Alabama rolls into town for a, a top 15 a type game, uh, the atmosphere will be big. Um, you know, I enjoy going to games at Kyle Field because the the atmosphere is different, but still electric. And I'm sure with it being a night game, that should be no different. No doubt about it. Should be a lot of fun. One week from Saturday in College Station, Texas. Of course, a big one upon us this week as the Ole Miss Rebels make the trip to Bryant Denny. Uh, as is the case on most Mondays when Nick Saban addresses the media. A lot of interest in the health status of the Alabama football team. And I know he was asked specifically about running back Brian Robinson Monday, Charlie, after Brian sat out last Saturday night's win over Southern Miss. Sound like a pretty promising update. And I guess this team in general uh, in pretty good shape going into that game with Ole Miss. Yeah, they are. And, um, you know, he said that uh, B-Rob's going to practice today. You know, they're still going to go kind of on a day-to-day basis with him and see how he progresses throughout the week. But he used the word hopeful that he'll be 100% for the game. And, you know, just watching him in warm-ups on Saturday, uh, you know, he was out there uh, catching uh, punts and kickoffs as the kind of second wave of players came out of the locker room for, for pregame drills. Um, you know, he was the first running back through all the individual drills ahead of Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams and Trey Sanders. But as soon as they started doing team stuff, he just kind of stood off to the side. So he was in full uniform. He went through uh, warmups really with no signs of limitations. But you know, I, th- I think they just you know gave him another week to kind of rest up those ribs. And that's a tricky one for running backs because you're going to get hit uh, a lot in that area. And if they don't have to play him, um, you know, that's a benefit for getting those young guys ready. But and you said it, um, you know, from a health standpoint, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, right now, really the only person that's a, a contributor or has been a contributor that you know, hasn't been playing is Major Tennyson. You know, they've still just kind of rolled out with the three true tight ends and Latu and, and Billingsley and, and Robbie Hughes, the freshman with Tennyson and, and Caden Clark uh, in street clothes. And then, you know, last week, uh, against Southern Miss, we saw Shane Lee get back out there, and uh, he kind of inserted himself in there as a second team inside linebacker. Didn't really see much of Deontay Lawson, if any, um, you know, working in there beside Jalen Moody. So good to see him back on the field. But yeah, I mean, from an injury standpoint, an injury report, very short for Alabama this week, and, and that's what you want to have going against a team like Ole Miss. No doubt. And when we come back from the break, we'll go more inside the Crimson Tide. State of the Alabama football team looking ahead to this week's matchup with the Rebels from Oxford. We'll do that. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. With Charlie Potter, when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer alongside Charlie Potter. Longtime staffers for you there. At BOL. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the BOL podcast? Bama Online Podcast. You're going to find us anywhere you consume podcasts. We're going to be there for you. If you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, while you're going through the subscription process, and even if you've already subscribed, but you haven't done a rating and a review for the pod, we would certainly appreciate that as well. So, Charlie, 
Let's start on the offensive side of the football for this Alabama team as it sits right now. You touched on it with Bryce Young, very efficient, very clean for the most part. He did have his first interception of the season in the win over Southern Miss. Uh, that one went on Jamison Williams as much as anybody. That was a nice throw that went off the chest of Jamison Williams. A lone blemish on an otherwise historic type performance for the Ohio State transfer. But when you consider where this Alabama offense is right now through four games and what we've seen from Bryce Young and how the passing game seems to be evolving on a weekly basis. We saw Alabama, it seemed like anyway, more of a concerted effort to take some shots early in the game. Uh, That seemed to pay off against USM. Uh, How do you feel about that aspect of the offense uh, with Ole Miss coming up next? Yeah, I mean, I think that was a concerted effort going into this game is the downfield passing game. And, um, and Nick Saban said that, um, you know, they still need to work on the vertical passes, um, you know, good play action. They were, they were successful to do it in, um, at some instances against Southern Miss, but, you know, even though, you know, they, they have respect for a team like Southern Miss, they know they're going to face tougher challenges down the road and that's just reality. Um, so yeah, I think it's still work in progress. Um, I think with Jamison Williams and kind of his, his confidence and, and comfortability in this offense, that, that adds a new uh, element to it because you just had kind of John Mechie returning. Um, you know, we talked about it all off season long, just the inexperienced at receiver and, you know, Jamison Williams emergence, I think will help in that regard. I think getting Jaleel Billingsley uh, more, um, you know, acclimated and, and doing more things into the, or in the offense will be, a big part of that as well. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, the, the long touchdown to, to Williams. Billingsley was also open. And again, they're, they're going against a Southern Miss team that doesn't have the same athletes as they're going to see as they enter the month of October. But um, I think the, the explosive plays, the downfield uh, shots, they'll continue to, to be more prevalent and um, it may be more successful. And I think it's also worth noting, too, when we're talking about the offense and the passing game, we haven't seen a lot. And there's going to be more that's going to be revealed as the season progresses. There's no point in you know revealing it all in the first four games of the season, especially with some of the games they have coming up. So I think we'll see some new wrinkles uh, from the offense. And you know, going against a team in, in Ole Miss, while they are improved on the defensive side of the ball, they still give up plays. I think that could very well be the case this Saturday. Yeah, Jamison Williams has been exactly what this passing attack needed with that speed on the outside. You look at John Mechie, he leads the team in receptions with 24, but Mechie's averaging just 10 yards per catch, and that's where Williams right at 25 yards per catch. Billingsley coming off his big performance against USM now is up around 22 yards per catch, so that's how you sort of account for Mechie and you know, his yards per catch number not being what we're used to seeing from him. And look, defenses, I think, are obviously defending, going about how they approach Alabama offensively differently. I thought one of the things we saw from Alabama last Saturday night, a couple of little screen and go action, the quick game that we see from Alabama a lot, you know, the quick throws and you know, then try to win a, a on a one-on-one block and, and get a guy a, an explosive play on a on a pretty easy touch, those haven't been as plentiful this year. Now, of course, some of that has to do with the talent that has departed the program at wide receiver, and not just in terms of ability after the catch, but those guys were great blockers for each other too. Um, and so we we saw a little bit of a quick game action, but then you know attack more down the seam off that, and uh, that was a little message I think for upcoming opponents as well. And you know when you look at some of the depth that's being provided, certainly Jojo Earl has to be mentioned because uh, he seems to have elevated himself to, uh, we figured he was right there alongside Slade Bolden uh, after three games. Well, in the fourth game, it was Jojo Earl we saw out there first, I guess, against Southern Miss. Yeah, he got his first start and he didn't have a catch. And, you know, it was a, it was a rough day for Jojo just in terms of a penalty standpoint because he had some really good uh, punt returns that were negated because of penalty flags. Uh, but 
I, I think that's a it's a sign of, of things to come. You know, Slade Bolden had a couple of catches in the game. It's good to see him kind of bounce back after the drop at Florida. And he kind of, you know, he didn't kind of, he completely put that on himself and how he prides himself as a sure-handed player. And I think Slade is still going to be a part of this offense. But, um, you know, the emergence of JoJo Earl, they're going to want to get him uh, involved more and more in the offense. I think he's a good compliment to a guy like Mechie and, and um, Jamison Williams. And we saw, once again, Treshawn Holden was kind of that next guy up that split in. But then it's good to see Javon Baker do some things yeah. in the second half, given it was in the fourth quarter and with the second-team offense. But the guy made two uh, great catches, uh, one uh, to move the sticks and one to score a touchdown. So um, I, I think when hearing from Nick Saban and talking about the receivers, it's the same guys he always mentions. It's the ones we just talked about. Uh, but guys like Baker, guys like Ajay Hall, Ja'Cory Brooks, I think they're still coming along. They want them to be part of the offense and to provide that depth and, and have a, a solid rotation. But they're just they haven't been as consistent, and so that's why we've seen what we've seen. But uh, no, I mean I think with JoJo Earl, um, it wouldn't shock me to see him in the starting lineup again. And, and what you said about Mechie too, um, you know Bryce Young came up and spoke via Zoom today and, and he's talked about how Messi's seen a lot of different looks a lot of different coverages and adjustments uh, because he is that kind of established weapon now given what they've seen from Jamison Williams and how he can take the top off of defense that might change but you know that's that's some things that that number one receiver uh, and that established player starts to run into uh, early on this season maybe it'll loosen up as, if some of these other guys can step up but I think that's worth noting as well. Yeah, you talk about the run game with Robinson sitting out against USM. McClellan and Williams combined to go for 200 plus, and you know guys that averaged 10 and 8.1 yards per carry respectively in the win over USM. That helped that yards per carry average for that top three of Robinson, McClellan, and Roydell because B. Rob is at 5.6. Jace had been a little bit lower, Roydell the same, but you know they got a little bit of a, a pad statting performance against a, a USM defense that really, when you talk about run defense anyway, statistically that was the strength on that side of the ball for Southern Miss. But you know Alabama goes over 200 yards in the win, and you know going to try to have another big game against Ole Miss this week. A year ago in Oxford. Alabama rushed for 300-plus, seven rushing touchdowns in that win over Ole Miss last year, Charlie. Yeah, um, you know, Ole Miss defense last year was pretty much non-existent. I, I think they have improved, but I still think Alabama can see success against them. And it is worth noting, I mean, that's one of the things, admittedly, in a week like last week, you're not talking a lot about Southern Miss. Um, it just doesn't happen. And it Really, one of the big storylines, this is getting off on a tangent, but one of the big storylines was taken away because of injury with Woodrow Lowe's grandson uh, not being able to yeah. play. So you're probably going to talk about him even less than you were going to. But, you know, every time that Nick Saban brought up Southern Miss, whether it was on his uh, or during his Monday press conference, the SEC teleconference, um, Wednesday night, the, the Thursday night radio show, he talked about Southern Miss' ability to stop the run. And they entered that game, I think, third nationally in terms of run defense they were i believe you know top 15 in, in total defense and you know they weren't slouches on that side of the ball and i think for alabama especially given that it was without brian robinson to be able to to run the ball like they were on a pretty consistent basis uh, is a step in the right direction because i know fans weren't very happy with what they saw um you know against florida even though i thought brian robinson had a had a good game that was just tough sledding and that's a, a completely different talent level but to be able to get the job done when you're supposed to is important that's that's what nick saban wants to see and again i think they're um they're making progress they're improving he said the same thing and and this is something they can build on and if they're able to go out and establish the line of scrimmage and and uh, be balanced against Ole miss that'll be big because you're able to sustain drives. You're able to keep the defense on the sideline and give them a breather because that Ole Miss offense is is high octane. They're going to run a lot of plays and everything like that. If, if Alabama can not only be able to see success in the passing game and with some of those explosive plays like we just talked about, but be able to lean on the running backs, lean on Brian Robinson and some of these young guys who are coming into their own, that'll be huge uh, against the, the Rebels on Saturday. Yeah, Alabama 
look good from 12 personnel against USM with two tight ends on the field, uh, running it and throwing it. So maybe that was a little bit of a ramp up for what we'll see from the Alabama offense this Saturday against Ole Miss. A little bit of a surprising stat to me anyway. Bryce Young, 10 attempts, minus 15 yards. And he's been very intent on staying in passer mode as much as possible. I know Nick was asked about that also on Monday. In terms of when Bryce breaks the pocket, you know what Nick's thoughts are in those situations. And I thought Saban touched on it. You know, he does a lot of things that you want your quarterback to do. Coaches spend a lot of time coaching quarterbacks to do what Bryce Young does, which is maintain full field vision while he's navigating the pocket and or breaking the pocket. In other words, staying in passer mode for as long as possible, not just not just uh, checking down to his legs immediately when the pressure comes. So, you know, I think it's a net positive. I know there's been a lot of talk about certain situations where Bryce could run Florida, a couple spots. Okay. I do think there's a happy medium where that's concerned, but again, I think it's a lot harder to get, especially young quarterbacks to do what Bryce already does rather than just tuck the ball and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he, Bryce Young has the podcast he does now the, in the world of NIL and uh, he really expounded on why he does what he does. And, you know, growing up as an African-American quarterback, you know, the stigma with those guys is, you know, they're not passers. They're going to, if their first read's not there, they're going to tuck it and run. And um, he wanted to break that. He didn't want that to be the narrative for him. And he always worked on keeping his eyes downfield. And it's, it's not like he refuses to run. It's just he is a passer first. And like you said, I mean, they – their coaches that are trying to beat that into the bag of their quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Yeah. Alabama's first year starter who's going into his second year in the program. That's what he does. And um, yeah, there were some, some um, instances like you said against Florida uh, where if he tucked the ball and ran, he picks up the first down, maybe he scores a touchdown, but also like the plays were just kind of bang, bang the, the deep shot to Mechie on third and five. Uh, could have almost been caught. Ball was, was on the money. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a. It's a different story. Um, you know, if if Cameron Latou's cleats are just a couple inches inside the paint, that's a touchdown. It's a completely different story. So the accuracy's there, the vision's there. Um, you know, maybe if they wanted to see him, he'll take an opportunity when it presents itself. But at the same time, too, I mean, Nick Saban said it today. You don't want him taking a lot of hits. And uh, he hasn't. And what he's been able to do has been effective. Um, you know, I feel like at this point, talking about this is, is almost a little nitpicky. Uh, maybe it'll come back to, to be an issue down the road or something that you look back on. And uh, if, if Bryce would have done this, it would have been different. But right now, it hasn't cost Alabama anything. And again, like you said, and, and we touched on, the fact that he does this first, that he's a passer first and keeps his eyes downfield while being able to escape pressure – I mean, that's a luxury that a lot of coaches would just take in a heartbeat. Big picture-wise, he's going to make more plays and big plays with the approach he has than otherwise, and he's more likely to be able to stay on the field Mm -hmm. from a health perspective. So you, you take that. You absolutely take that. Offensive line, we talked about, Charlie, going into the Florida game, maybe more so than USM, and it's felt like sort of a, a moment on the schedule where, okay, if this is the five and they get through Florida in one piece with this quintet, this may be the group that they go with from wire to wire this season. Is that still the feeling that you have? I seem to feel that way. What do you think in terms of the status of the offensive line and you know the, 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 the assuredness that they feel in, in going with that group right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any changes coming down the pipeline, at least not for this week. Um, yeah, I, I think that Darian Dalcourt has gotten more comfortable um, at the center position. Yeah, I think the Florida game was a huge test for him, and uh, he was able to to play well for the most part. I think pass protection has been pretty solid. Uh, I think, again, you know, going uh, and, and being able to run the ball like they did against Southern Miss is – 
a step in the right direction. I think it's probably still a work in progress, but I don't think it's a work in progress to where they want to have a lot of moving pieces at this point. Um, I think they still feel really good about having Kendall Randolph out on the field and he's been effective as that sixth offensive lineman, that blocking tight end. And I think also, um, you know, Cameron Latou has been solid as a blocker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, talking to him, uh, that's an aspect that he didn't want to do really in high school. And now he says he loves it. And I think he's improved in that regard. So uh, I know that's not really a piece of the offense, but I think that helps. And, um, you know, uh, looking at how just the second team offensive line has kind of been calibrated, you know, we've seen uh, J.C. Latham working at right guard. Uh, I don't think he's going to come up and, and usurp Milek Yor, who was a 13-game starter last year. Uh, so maybe Damian George is still you know, competition or pushing Chris Owens. But like you said, I, I don't really see a, a change coming anytime soon up front. Defensive side of the ball, that's the spotlight this week with this Ole Miss offense. Heading into Tuscaloosa, one of the more prolific offenses in all of college football, did a number on the Alabama defense in Oxford last October to the tune of 600-plus yards, 48 points. Um, Let's get into sort of prioritizing the concerns for Pete Golding's group this week. Does it start up front? Is it the linebacker level? The secondary with Matt Corral and those receivers? I'll say it's the linebacker level still. That's where I'll start. I don't know about you, Charlie. It, it's honestly tough to pick because <laughs> Ole Miss, yeah, Matt Corral's been um, outstanding. Um, you know, Nick Saban kind of showered him with praise and, and how he thinks that he's kind of progressed over the course of his career. He said he's as talented a guy as anybody they've seen run or pass for a long time from the quarterback position. And you know, Nick Saban doesn't throw that out there a lot. And, um, yeah, but at the same time, what Ole Miss has been able to do on the ground um, has, has been impressive, too. I know they haven't faced just the toughest competition with Louisville and, and Austin P and Tulane, uh, but they're almost averaging 300 yards a game on the ground. And that was an area last year where, yeah, we knew about Lane Kiffin and how he likes to throw the ball around the yard, but Ole Miss was able to run the ball in Alabama. Um, you know, looking at the, the Florida game a couple weeks ago, uh, would they rush for 258? That still wasn't as much as Ole Miss was able to rush again or rush for last year uh, in Oxford when Alabama came to town. So um, I, I would probably go with the linebackers as well uh, because they're going to have to, you know, you're, you're going to rely on the defensive line to, to clog those running lanes and, and then obviously offer up some alleys for the linebackers to run through. Uh, but they're also going to have to keep contain on Matt Corral because he is a guy that is dangerous with his arm. But I think he has five rushing touchdowns on the season, so he can make plays with his legs as well. You don't want to allow him to escape and, and do the things we just talked about with Bryce Young. Uh, you're going to want to get him on the ground and keep him contained as much as possible. So yeah, it's going to be important for guys like Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa to, to have strong games as well as you know Will Anderson and, and Drew Sanders to keep contained and to get him on the ground. Yeah, and even in 2019 in Tuscaloosa, Ole Miss ran for nearly 280 yards. Now, that was an entirely different offense. It was a spread power approach under Rich Rodriguez, then the offensive coordinator, much more balanced under Lane Kiffin and the challenges that Alabama will have presented to it on Saturday uh, across the board, really. But I, I just feel like the running backs, as you touched on, very well there with with what Corral can do with his legs. Four rushing touchdowns against Tulane his last time out. Uh, a lot to account for between the quarterback and running backs Jerry on Ely and Snoop Connor, both of which surpass a 100 yard mark in the game against Alabama last season. It's a experienced offensive line up front for the Ole Miss Rebels. No Kenny Yaboa, I guess, at tight end, but I'm sure Lane's got a tight end stowed away <laughs> somewhere in that offense that he's going to unleash, especially after seeing Southern Miss's tight end catch three balls for 61 yards against Alabama last Saturday night. So, look, if guys like Henry Toa Toa, Christian Harris, if they're the guys we thought they are or still think they are, this is the week. This is the opportunity. Uh, Will Anderson, you know, is going to show up. Will yeah. Anderson is going to be a a very dominant presence in this game. The problem is Will Anderson plays outside linebacker. So he, as much as he can run some things down, you know, he's left or right. 
he's not right in the middle of that defense. So Christian Harris, Henry Toatella, you know, I guess the thing I'm looking for, Charlie, even between the safety and inside linebackers, I'm looking for somebody to stone somebody. I'm talking about with authority right in the middle of the field. And I understand the game's different. And so even the the types of linebackers you have these days are almost more safety-like. You look at the background of both Toa Toa and Christian Harris as high school players. They were like skill guys in high school. That That's what you have to have in terms of being able to twitch and run and things like that. Um, but man, with the way Ole Miss just put Alabama on skates in that matchup last season, I, I think it's important early in the game somebody make a statement as far as physicality is concerned with these Ole Miss running backs, Matt Corral. Within the rules, of course, you don't want people you know, targeting and getting ejected and things like that, but I'm waiting on some pop, Charlie, from this Alabama defense somewhere in that back set. No, I mean, I think if, if that were to happen, you know, that would um, alleviate some of the concerns and the maybe frustration from these Alabama fans uh, because they haven't been very pleased with the tackling effort uh, this season, especially on the road at Florida. Um, and that's mainly coming from the positions you talked about inside linebacker and safety. And we've seen them be able to do it. I thought the linebackers played really well to start the season. We've seen Christian Harris uh, make big plays, big hits. Um, the safeties can do it. DeMarco Helms um, is certainly capable of doing it, but they've, they've whiffed a lot. It's like they're overthinking. And, um, you know, I, I think that that would be huge in this game. Um, you know, the guys in the slot, you know, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, however they choose to go about that, because that's been a revolving That's been interesting, door. hasn't it, how yeah. they've worked that. And then even at money, right, with Daniel Wright resurfacing in that mix. It's been strange. Um, Makes you wonder what's up with Brian Branch. I mean, let's let's just put it out there. It, yep. Maybe it's injury. Maybe it's something we don't know about. But it just it just seemed odd to see Daniel Wright back in that money role the last two games, basically. It, it has been, and that's why I asked about it last week. And Nick Saban didn't really give a, a definitive answer. They just said they want to see them both play. Well, if you want to see them both play, they can both be on this field at the same time. If you're not. <laughs> um, exactly. And, you know, we, we just talked about whiffs and, and missed assignments and poor tackling. And, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, bag on a player, but that Daniel Wright's had those issues the last couple of years. Against yeah. Ole Miss. Exactly. Last year he had those issues. And Brian Branch has been a solid player. Uh, I know he's young. He came in late. But, um, you know, again, in the preseason, I've said it before, I feel like multiple times on this podcast now, from a defensive standpoint of players not named Will Anderson, I think Brian Branch probably had the best preseason. Now they moved him around a lot. They wanted to see where he could best fit, but I don't feel like the sideline is the place for that. And, you know, he's he's been dressed out. He's played. You know, he, he came in, I believe, um, you know, late in the second quarter and, and manned the star position from there. So he's he's healthy enough to play. But yeah, just the from a personnel standpoint and what they're doing out there, it hasn't made a ton of sense from the fifth and sixth defensive back spots. And um, I, I don't know, you know, that, that'll be something I'm certainly going to be looking for in pregame warmups because, like we said, as of right now, there's not a lot of injury news. It's, it's personnel based, and, and that one's been a real head scratcher. Yeah, and this isn't to let the front off the hook either, by the way, because. In responding to a question about Jamil Burroughs earlier on Monday, Nick Saban sort of pointed out some of the fundamental issues that young defensive linemen have to overcome, uh, become better in terms of technique and uh, you know maintaining their responsibilities, not trying to go hero ball all that often or at all. And look, against Florida – there were guys that have played a lot of football for Alabama on that defensive line that had those same type of issues. And, you know, if you're going to get double teamed, that's fine, but you can't give up the point like Alabama did all too often in that win over Florida in giving up those 258 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. So I think that defensive line, Byron Young, DJ Dale, uh, Phil Mathis, uh, you know, a Boygby, all of those guys. This, this is a proof something game for those guys too, especially coming off the Florida performance a couple weeks ago. 
It is, and that's why I said it was tough to to pick a position group because uh, while I agree, and I think that the linebackers are probably in the spotlight from that standpoint, the defensive linemen are you know right off stage waiting to step into it. And um, you know, I, I think with with hearing what Nick Saban said about Jamil Burroughs, that's a lot of what he said about Christian Barmore. Uh, in past years and um you know i don't know if they have a christian barmore waiting in the wings just to kind of put it all together but jamil burrow showed some some good flashes against usm late in the game now it's against usm and late in the game that has to be said and pointed out uh but you know uh, we've seen him early in games we saw him and, and tim smith getting some action um against georgia last year and that was a huge game um you know a guy like jamarian latham did some good things in the preseason i think a lot of these guys kind of fit in the same category and they want to see a little more from them. But, you know, with the guys ahead of them, um, I don't want to say they're not getting the job done, but, um, you know, you, you'd maybe look for some of these young players to, to get it together and to be able to contribute more because you know, Nick Saban talked several times during the preseason about how they could roll out maybe as many as nine players from a rotational standpoint. Really, we've only seen about six with the guys that you pointed out plus Tim Smith. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think the defensive line, like you said, um, this is a, a big game for them. And if they can go out and make a statement, um, I think that sets up the defense for success the rest of the season. Uh, if not, then, you know, we're going to continue to talk about the same things. Well, Brian Ray, last two games, we've seen him. Makes you wonder, Charlie, if we might not see a LeBron Ray somewhere in the neighborhood of 20-plus snaps in this game against Ole Miss. And that's understanding Ole Miss could exceed 80 plays again like they did last year offensively. But when I think about LeBron Ray and where he could maybe help as much as anything in this game, pass rush being at the top of that list, but they play a nickel package more and more since really Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings that keeps the two outside linebackers on the field. They get light when they do that against the run on early downs. LeBron Ray's one of those guys that you can play at defensive end and your nickel to go along with, say, Will Anderson and give you a little more heft, a little more mass on early downs. And makes me think perhaps maybe LeBron Ray has more of a role than just say the dime rabbits this week. Something to keep an eye on, I guess. No, I agree. And, um, I, I think this would be a huge game for him to step up into, into that and be that defensive end with a three uh, defensive line look with Will Anderson, um, either standing up or with his hand in the dirt. And you talk about going light. There was a time or at least once an instance in this past game where Alabama was in its dime package and they had all four linebackers on the field, six defensive backs, and then LeBron Ray was the LeBron Ray in line. the middle. Yeah, uh, you're right. You can do that against Southern Miss, but uh, I don't know how successful that would be. You can do it on like third and 18, too. Exactly, yeah. Not, not third and six. Not, yeah. Run defense yeah. type of look uh, with, the, with the threat of them running the ball at least. Sure. Um, but, no, I, I think, you know – we talk about LeBron Ray a lot. I think we saw the most from him this past week, and, and that's a step in the right direction for him because you know Nick Saban, I believe it was at SEC Media Days, you know talked about and, and he said it before how they don't have a player like LeBron Ray uh, on the defensive line, and, and it goes into what you were talking about from a pass rush standpoint uh, and really experienced too. I mean Phil Mathis can probably match it, uh, but there's not a lot of them that can, and uh, if he can you know, be productive and be available and be consistent. That'd be big for this defense. They have a lot of guys on that defensive line that are sort of in tackle tweeners, which should be a good thing on early downs against teams that run the football. Uh, that being said, they, they don't have a truly a true, what I consider to be nose tackle type that if opposing offenses double that guy, he's going to hold down the fort and not get moved. So that's a bit of an issue for them uh, moving forward as well. Some interesting stuff to keep an eye on for Saturday where the Alabama defense is concerned. That's before we even talk about uh, the back end of this Alabama defense against the pass because they're going to be stressed. Ontario Drummond 
comes into the game for Ole Miss as the SEC's leading receiver at 113 yards per game. Jonathan Mingo is third at 96.7 yards per game. And you touched on it a little bit in terms of competition that Ole Miss has faced. Ole Miss has yet to play a conference game. Uh, Austin P, Louisville, uh, and also Tulane. I don't think that's as much of a of an issue for the Ole Miss offense as I think it is for the defense. I, I'm from Missouri, the show me state when it comes to this Ole Miss defense. That's great that they've shown improvement against the schedule to this point, but I need to see it in conference play and especially against a team like Alabama before I'm ready to buy that narrative. Um, the secondary, uh, we touched on it with some of the, you know, the, the sub package stuff and in the safety positions, but the corner spots, Jalen Armour Davis continues to be a real bright spot back there. Josh Job, another pass interference penalty against Southern Miss. Drink, we can start a drinking game maybe with that. But um, the corner is going to be under fire this week too. Although, again, we, we anticipate the, the middle of that defense being first up on that list. Uh, you know, if it gets to where Alabama struggles with this run game again, probably going to be a lot of man coverage from – from Armour Davis and Josh Job on Saturday. Yeah, it probably will be. And, and you're right. Armour Davis has, has played well. Um, I don't think there's a, a lot of worry in that regard. And, and Josh Job's a good player. It's just, you know, he stays in phase a lot. And I know that's what they're taught and everything. He just doesn't look back for the ball, it ever seems like. And he gets that that's an easy uh, pass interference penalty. So I'm sure Lane Kiffin has seen that. And uh, they just probably lob it up toward 28 and, and hope for a flag uh, in some instances. But, um, you know, the, the, the passing offense for um, Ole Miss is still potent. You know, you're not going to have some of the guys you had last year and Elijah Moore and, and Kenny Yaboa. And Ole Miss hasn't really thrown a ton to the tight end. Uh, I'm sure Lane oh, during the bye week probably this just week. went out this week. And, and tried to find – you know, big body that can catch <laughs> with athletic, got him uniform. And yeah, I mean, because you look at Florida, what they did, they didn't really throw the, the ball to tight end ahead into Alabama game. They saw success in that regard. Uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, Southern Miss and, and Grayson Gunter. Uh, every time he touched the ball, he was moving the chains. So, yeah, that's still uh, an issue. You add in the, the running backs and you know, the pass defense as a whole, uh, it's going to have their hands full. But I think this is a big game for the secondary. Again, I think Armour Davis has played well, but you know the safeties, the corners, um, you know whoever's in the slot, um, you know they have a chance to to make a statement. And um, I think you go into it, you know that Ole Miss is going to make plays, but you got to keep them in front of you, you got to limit it, uh, and you got to be able to to cause some turnovers because if you you know, get Matt Corral forcing uh, the ball, that's going to lead to that. And you know it's it's a situation where. Um, you know, you, you got to get off the field and turnovers is the best way to do that. So I think this, this secondary especially has been advantageous. Uh, and a lot of that stemmed from the pressure they've gotten from the guys up front, but they've been able to get takeaways. They're going to have to do that Saturday against Ole Miss and get the ball back to their offense and get a breather on the sideline. Yeah. It's easy to say, well, just throw more zone at Matt Corral in this Ole Miss offense. After all, he threw six picks against, uh, sort of umbrella concept from Barry Odom of Arkansas last season. But if Ole, Ole Miss is able to run the ball, you, you can't just sit in zone. You know, right. I mean, you end up having to commit some numbers. I'm going to guess Lane's got something for John Rice Plumley this week. I'm not saying he's going to be featured like Elijah Moore, but two catches for 16 yards for the uh, utility player, I guess you could call John Rice Plumley. Uh, for the Ole Miss Rebels. They're probably going to have something for John Rice Plumley in this game, but um, we could probably spend spend another hour talking about what ifs where Lane's concerned <laughs> and what might be in store for the Alabama defense on Saturday. Special teams, if there's a bright spot uh, there, certainly you, you like your chances with Will Reichert if this ends up being a close game. Punting's been a little bit of a mixed bag with James Burnup, but the return game when there aren't flags on the field, uh, certainly has an opportunity to impact this game on Saturday as well, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, you know, we went into the season with a lot of questions about special teams because of so many guys moving on, but it's really been strong, especially of late. I mean, Will Riker, you know what you got in him. He's got the the miss behind him. I think that might have been good for him and just the pressure he was probably feeling. 
Uh, James Burnup, it, it's been a little inconsistent, but um, you know he's shown he can he can uh, you know boom punts and, and has a big leg to do it. But the return game um, in both aspects, both being able to you know reel off uh, chunk yardage and even touchdowns, and then also being able to cover, Alabama's been strong in that, and, and that's to be expected from the latter, uh, just being able to contain. Uh, guys whenever they're able to field kicks but um you know jameson williams jojo Whirl, uh in a game like this it would be big for them to be able to to do what they've done so far and to yeah i, I think that the big thing like you said is to clean up those penalties because jojo Whirl, um hell he almost returned one for a touchdown uh, but it was wiped away by a penalty flag so um yeah i think alabama's in a, in a good spot there and um yeah i mean it's I don't know how much punting we'll see in this game Yeah, uh, because of the Ole Miss defense. I think Alabama would love to be able to force several punts from Ole Miss. And if it ends up being the case we're talking about the Ole Miss punter, I think that's a good day for Alabama. But, um, you know, given how last year's game played out, I, I don't know how much of that we'll see. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, Charlie, that's going to do it. I think we're out of here on a Monday afternoon. Always appreciate the time. Always appreciate your great work with us there at BamaOnline.com. I'm going to enjoy that chili tonight, and I promise it won't be too spicy, Charlie. I promise. That's good to know. Yeah, I, I don't hate everything. I just uh, – We I put a lot of cheese in the chili. We put the sour cream in the chili. Are you a big condiments in the chili guy? Cheese is good. Not a huge sour cream fan. Um, some onion. A little onion? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, purple. Then, little purple onion. Too, um when Red mom onion. made chili, and my mom makes good chili, uh, and it's not too spicy. Um, <laughs> you know, grilled cheese, cheese toast with that, that Ooh, that's perfect. There uh, you go. So, there yeah, you go. absolutely, absolutely. Well, for Charlie Potter, I'm Travis Ryer. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Certainly, you'll want to join us at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the roundtable. It's a fun week to be on the roundtable. The premium message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans everywhere right there at BamaOnline.com. Until next time, so long, everybody. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.